Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here on a Text Driven Tuesday with George Mays. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Jay. <laughs> Text Driven Tuesday, if you're new to the podcast, we go through um, the sermon that was preached on Sunday, and George is continuing in his Hebrews series. Uh, it'll be this this one and three more Sundays until he gets through with chapter two before he takes a break. So we're picking back up in chapter one, and it's a really good, um, it's a really good sermon. Good stuff that we're learning, and it's probably really good that you decided to, to divide up the two sermons. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I was thinking when I, I, I. Well, I know what I was thinking. Verses five through fourteen are all about Jesus being superior to the angels, right? And so I was trying to hold it together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's just so much. Well, there's so if, much in if there. you were more skilled at using words, you could have done it all. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm joking, but I uh, apparently uh, suffer from the same ailment. Uh huh. I don't know how some people do it. Some people can just communicate things like right, and you really get it. We're not that skilled, so we need two weeks. Well, I, th- <laughs> you know, I think of. I think I can't help but think about you know Josh King, yeah, and we've had him on here, yeah. He's very skilled in his communication, the way that he he presents things. He can say a lot mm-hmm. in a very short amount of time. I I think that his sermons are usually more packed than ours, yeah, and his sermons are usually about twenty minutes shorter than ours. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe if we learn to talk like Ben Shapiro, we could get it done. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Conformity Cross Podcast, where we seek to gauge the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Yeah. Could you preach? That's. <laughs> <laughs> Could you preach like that? Not lately. Not lately. Oh, I've been. Man. I have been so exhausted. I'm. I'm getting a greater appreciation for the times that Philip leads the music and mm-hmm. then preaches. Yeah. Because when I'm done, Tired. so so. You know, Philip has been out the last couple of Sundays. Yeah. And so I've been I've been leading the the music and preaching. Yeah. And by the time I'm done, I am <laughs> I am just spent. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. back hurts, my legs hurt just from standing up the entire time. So I have a, a greater appreciation. So I'm not gonna be preaching, you know, super fast. You're getting you're getting your whole body into that singing, huh? Uh-huh. It's like when you're teaching a, a hitter in baseball. You got to teach them to hit from their toes up so they can use the ground. Yeah, you're back there. I see you. You're getting it from the ground up. Yeah, and you're getting all <laughs> of that air flow. Coming. So I've been I've been doing Sunday school, doing the music and preaching the last the last two weeks. Uh-huh. It it takes a takes a little bit out of out yeah. of you, right? A little bit. Cal- it's, it's good though. I mean, what what better way to spend your your energy than ministering yeah yeah so it's it's been good but i am uh hoping that philip will be back with us soon calvin he laughs at you yeah that's right because <laughs> this guy preached like three sermons a day like all week long yeah spurgeon let's Spur- go to more spurgeon spurgeon walking walking to <laughs> churches in different towns <laughs> which he was kind of big too how did he do it how did he do that yeah, i don't know he had he had gout yeah I don't know. These guys, these guys were beast. Mm-hmm. That's that's all there that's is. That's why to they it. all died we're, young, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our our elements are minuscule <laughs> <laughs> compared to Calvin. Calvin and all of his different uh, sicknesses that he dealt with. Yes, sir. Okay, let's jump in here. Okay. So last time. You, you you reminded us that kind of what holds these verses together in chapter one, after we get out of the, the this beginning of this intro, in verses um, four through the end of chapter one, or that Jesus appeared to the angels. Mm-hmm. We can clearly see that. Yeah. So last time we dealt with Jesus in his uh, kind of like his humanity. Right. So we talked about that. This time we're shifting, and we're going to talk about Jesus and his like just in his being, his eternal being, his divinity. Right. Like who he is as um as a I don't know, you can't put it into words, a uh, there's no one else in the universe like him because yeah. he's he, the eternal son 
He's existed forever. He is true God. True man, true God. That's the Chalcedonian Creed, right? True God, true man. It's interesting our Sunday school classes are lined up, and we didn't plan that. Yeah. It's kind of fun how that happens. Well, even uh, even the children's Sunday school classes lined up a little oh, bit. Oh, man, can imagine it. that. Zero planning. Right. And it just happens. Uh-huh. So strange how that works out. So just very quickly, maybe tell us, let's say, okay, we're going to be talking about the divinity of Jesus as superior to angels. Why is that important today? Well, if he's superior to the angels and his and he's superior because he is God, mm-hmm. then to ignore this is to, um, in just you know, plain terms, to be stupid. I mean, he, if he is God, yeah. then he deserves, and, and you owe to him all of your allegiance, all of your worship, all of your obedience, and to, to ignore that is to reject your only hope mm-hmm. like he he is your life yeah um he is the only one who can save you from your sin um he is the greatest treasure of the universe he's mm-hmm. the greatest being who will ever exist and to ignore that for what 70 years here on earth just doing whatever you want ignoring this yeah and then spending an eternity away from him um <clears throat> You know what? This this is the most important question. Yeah. Like Jesus asked this question in in Matthew, you know, to the disciples. Who do you say I am? Right. This is the most important question. How you answer this um will will just have an echoing effect for you for eternity. Yeah. Now that you're going to encounter it if you if you're listening today, you will encounter this. Um that there are people today who do not do not have the doctrine of who Christ is and his divinity correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, liberals uh, or denominations who have been infiltrated by liberalism, it, you may go there. I mean, you're talking the Methodist Church, um, the Lutheran Church. Now, there are a very small minority, a right. remnant left, right. that actually hold to the Bible and historic Christian creeds and confessions. Mm-hmm. But... Methodist Church, Presbyterian Church, Lutheran Church. Who else am I missing? The Anglican Church. Uh, you, can't, you can't miss the Episcopalians. Yes, the Episcopalians, no doubt. Now, in those movements of liberalism have been taken over over the past century, they deny the divinity of Christ. Right. Many of them outright. Now, they'll try to hold on for some sentimental reasons to certain Christian things like Jesus showed us what it is to be a man who suffers under oppression mm-hmm. in order to inspire others to rise up against oppression. Like they'll come up with various strange woke, woke Jesus. Yeah, you have black liberation theology, um, which emerge merges out of South America and Marxist ideologies. But they're they're reinventing the stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And this this goes way back to like the the father of modern liberalism and these German scholars. They, they try to hold on to these personal encounters with the divine while de- denying Jesus' divinity. Mm-hmm. And it's just completely silly. Right. If you don't have the divinity of Jesus, you don't have Christianity, there's no reason. Pack it up, go home. Go play golf on Sunday mornings and do something else with your life. Yeah. If you feel like you need... I mean, just stop identifying because you're, you're just... You're going to give an account for it because you're you are slandering what it means to be a follower of Christ by trying to say you're a Christian and denying Christ's divinity. So that's one way. But there are two others that you brought up in your sermon. And now, I think you know I didn't I didn't bring up the you know the liberal side because I, I don't know if for our congregation that's the biggest threat. Right. I think the biggest threat is as persecution arises um, in America and all of these, you know, quote unquote, Christian religions start right. to band together, right? And we need to be able to determine who is who is who is and who isn't, right? I think that that maybe is a bigger threat for our congregation. Yeah, not not yeah. to say that that we want to avoid, you know, the liberal denial of of the divinity of Jesus. That that is a a, a real threat. Mm-hmm. But for the people that I was preaching to, I think that. 
the the bigger threat is um and and I think the I think the Mormons right really are a big threat because they they really try to push that we're we're just like you guys. They tried they try to identify as Christians now. Right. They used to not do that. Uh-huh. You know, I, I was it 20 years ago maybe they made a tactical decision. Yeah. I think for their branding, mm-hmm. marketing and branding to right. start to call themselves Christians. Yeah. That's new for them. Well, that that's that's in opposition to Joseph Smith right. and their founding because Joseph Smith his his whole thing was all of the Christian denominations have gone wrong that they, they all have gone into heresy we are the true right. we're the true church yeah um, so this this move to identify closer to evangelicals um, yeah is is different from their founding yeah and um, but it's going to catch a lot of Christians off guard. Yeah, well, because they kind of present it like we're just like you, we're Christians. Uh-huh. We just have extra teachings that you don't have. Yeah, yeah, and you look you look on their website and it's you you see it. Like uh-huh. you see them the pushing we're just like we're just like other Christians. We just have another book. Right. And you ha- you really have to 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 dig into it uh-huh. to see what's actually going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so there's the there's those, and then right. there's also the Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah. which they, they don't have a, maybe a strong presence down here. I don't, I don't know. There's, um, there's a couple of kingdom halls here in Lawton, okay. but I haven't run, I, I haven't run into them. Um, we've gotten a couple of, you know, their little flyers that they put in your door. I guess we're always gone when they come through the neighborhood. Mm. They're, they're, they're around. I've seen more, more Mormons. Yeah, probably because they they have their you know their little name tag mm-hmm. when they're when they're out, um, but they're they're here. Okay, yeah, they're definitely here. They're maybe not there. If you if you are um, if you're educated, if you're informed in the in the scriptures, they're they're a little bit easier to identify uh-huh. with their you know their false teachings. Um, they're they're a little more. Um, up front, right, with what they say about Jesus, mm-hmm. um, even on their website. So I, I went, I went directly to jw.org to see, you know, what what do they actually say, and you can you can pretty easily see it. Yeah. But when you go to uh, what is it, churchofjesuschrist.org, which yeah. is the Mormon website, it's a little harder. You, so you really have to dig into it. On their website, the uh, Jehovah's Witness, did they say just outright Jesus was a created being and he's the he's Michael the Archangel? They do have a section on him being Michael the Archangel. Okay. Yeah, I read directly from from who is Jesus. Yeah. I read from it yesterday. Jesus, uh, unlike any other human, Jesus lived in heaven as a spirit person before he was born on earth. He was God's first creation. Yeah. So they're they're, they're, out, they're out front. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're Aryans. The ancient Aryan heresy. So this yeah. this none of this stuff is new. No. It's a very very old ancient heresy. Yeah. Yeah. They've got. I I didn't read everything. I've got quotes from uh, from different uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, uh, the expression "Son of God" acknowledges that God is the creator or source of all life, including that of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like he's the God, the Father is the creator of Jesus, right? Right. Um, God created Jesus before He created anything else. So they're they're upfront. If if you're you know if you know what the scriptures teach, you can easily refute Jehovah's right. Witnesses. I think the the their their tactic is that they have their own translation of the Bible. Yeah. So their New World Translation, where they've they have actually changed verses. Yeah. John one one is yeah. you know the prime example. Got to get rid of John one one. In the beginning was the Word, First. and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Yeah. Now I don't know how that. <laughs> I don't know how that that helps their their case that he's a created being. Right. Um, but that's their that's their translation, and and you can go through places in Colossians, even places in Hebrews. They've they've changed they've changed, it. They've changed some stuff. Yep. Very very culty. Very culty, yeah, yeah, super culty. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but Mormons, they're they're a little trickier because they 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 profess that Jesus is divine, mm-hmm. that he is deity, that he is the Son of God. But what they mean is that God the Father once was a man. Yeah. Through his and he lived on a planet. Mm-hmm. He obeyed 
now there's like this infinite regression of gods. So, right. So Yahweh had a god somewhere back there. I think they actually gave him a name in some some of their publications. But Yahweh he, or Elohim, he was he was a he was a man. Through his obedience, he became an exalted man. He became a god who got his own planet. Mm-hmm. We're living on it. Um, and he had spirit children with a spirit wife. Yeah. So Jesus is the son of God in the same way that I, I've got sons. Right. Right. And they're very upfront about that. Yeah. Um, one of them uh, wrote a book. It says there's no need to spiritualize away the plain meaning of the scriptures. There's nothing figurative or hidden beyond comprehension in our Lord's coming into mortality. He is the son of God in the same sense and way that we are the sons of mortal fathers. It is just that simple. Yeah. So he's a dem. He's like a demigod. It'd be like Zeus. Yeah, I mean that, that would. That, I guess that would be the way that we could describe it. That's that's not how they describe him. He he is fully God, right? But he's fully God in the way that it not not the way that we would mm. that we would say it. Not not the way that the scriptures present it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. so even in that, Jesus would not be eternal. Yeah, he's not eternal. He he, he would won't. come into being. Um, at some point in time, yeah, um, which is not what the scriptures present about Jesus, right? Not at all. But you, you just have to you just have to dig into it a little bit more because the way that they they talk about him, it's if if you're not paying attention, you'll think, yeah, well, they believe the same things as us. They've just got another book. Yeah, that's right. So um, you made this comment that Hebrews is an incredibly powerful place to go to take. If you're going to talk with Jehovah's Witnesses, or we could say Mormons as well, yeah. we're going to jump in. I'll have you read the text here in, in just a, a second, but just say, why do you think this is such a powerful passage for that purpose? Um, I think that it simply unequivocally um, says that Jesus is Yahweh of the Old Testament. Mm. Um, it doesn't you don't. You don't have to. It, all you have to do is see the text that um, that the author is quoting, and look at it in its Old Testament context. Right. And you can see what he's doing. Yeah. He's saying this text that was that was addressed to Yahweh applies to Jesus mm-hmm. um, because he is Yahweh. Very good. Okay. So let's jump in. I'll have you read. Uh, just start start reading in. in in uh, verse 10. So okay. Hebrews 1, <clears throat> verse 10, and I guess read through the end All right. of the chapter. Okay. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Okay, good. Good stuff. So you uh, went with two points. I'm just curious. You had three at first. Yeah. What was the third? Well, I was dividing verses 10 through 12, and I was going to talk about Jesus as creator and then Jesus as, um, what did I have? my what, what was that other point? I was just dividing it. And as I was looking at it, I was like, I, I don't really need to divide this. I mean, the, the psalm holds it all together. He's the creator, and he's just put it all together. He is God. Um, and so I, I just thought, this would be a, an easier way to hold okay. it together. There's no, there's no reason to separate it, um, because I, I think that, I, I think that you can see it all, all, all together. Right. Um, I mean, if he, if he is the God of the Old Testament, if he's the one true God, that's my point. Um, then he obviously is the creator. So I, I didn't, uh, I didn't think that it added anything yeah. extra to help help people understand it. Okay, so last week it was four through nine. Jesus appeared to the angels because he's the promised Davidic Messiah, right? Yeah. This week, Jesus has appeared to the angels in his very being, right? In his essence, in his being, and who he is. And you have two points here Jesus is the one true God, and Jesus is glorified along with God. Yep. So, first, 
first point is taken from verses. <laughs> I didn't know if I didn't know if maybe you wanted to talk about the angel of the Lord real quick. Yeah, we can. Let's do it. I mean, we could. I mean, we could take forever talking about this, but yeah. maybe maybe helpful. Yeah, just um, to talk about it a little bit more. Since since we're saying Jesus is greater than the angels, uh-huh. but in the Old Testament you see the angel of the Lord. Yes, and you and I would both say this is Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're we are understanding what's going on in the Old Testament when we talk about the angel of the Lord. We're not talking about Gabriel. Right. We're not talking about a created angel. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe or Michael or Michael. Yeah. Right. Maybe maybe helpful to uh, yeah because, distinguish between mm-hmm. those. Yeah. The first place I remember I remember reading this when I was uh, younger and going like, hang on a second, like what's happening here? And the burning bush is you know kind of the one where it becomes clear. There's some yeah. kind of some type of switch thing going on, yeah. <laughs> or you know, in the in the vocabulary, there's a switch. But is there? I mean, is there really a switch? I don't think so. I think it's just describing the same, the same persons that that's there. So when Moses encounters the burning bush, um, he begins to talk to a person that's there, and the text identifies the person as the angel of Yahweh. Right. Like it's the. You should think of it as the. Not an angel. Yeah. yeah. The, like capital T-H-E, like the president of the United States, the angel of Yahweh, because there's obviously other angels that come and talk to people. Yeah. But the angel of Yahweh is different. And then all of a sudden the text switches and he's talking to Yahweh. Right. And you're like, what happened? Where'd the angel of the Lord go? And he didn't go anywhere. Yeah. He's the same person. <laughs> right. And so people may have read that, and they may have been confused. I remember trying to search this stuff out. I didn't have the tools back then to figure this stuff out. Um, but it just becomes apparent the more that the angel of the Lord is encountered, that he's talked about as God. Mm-hmm. Like he he is God. He's So that may be confusing to people. Um, I think one way to think about it is this. If you just think about... God is timeless, uncreated. He is not part of the created world. He's totally other, okay? Now, when God wants to... And it's a condescension. No matter how God reveals himself to us in the created world, it is a condescension on his part. He, Because he's a good God, he reveals himself to us in ways we can understand and comprehend. Part of that is a physical representation of himself. Now, he has to veil his glory, or else the sinful man would be destroyed by his holiness. And it appears that one way he has done that throughout time is he's appeared to people in a way that they can see him and interact with him. And we believe that is the second person of the Trinity every time that happens. Um, Jesus doesn't start revealing God in the New Testament, now it becomes explicit and full, but he's revealing God in the Old Testament as well. Um, so we see him there at the burning bush. Uh, he appears to Abraham. You have you had several uh, points of that in your sermon about him speaking with Abraham. Yeah, I think I think what what this causes you to do is um, read your Old Testament more carefully yeah i think i think that's what we need to do um there's places um god uh, or um you know sarah uh sends hagar and ishmael away uh-huh and they are in the wilderness and the water's gone and hagar sends ishmael away so she doesn't see him die and it says god heard the voice of the of the boy and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Mm-hmm. So this is the angel of God saying this. I'm going to do this. That echoes Genesis 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it says in verse 19, then God opened her eyes. Like you've got the angel and it's, you're you're going back and forth between the angel 
and God. Yep. Um, another place is, um, you know, the sacrifice of Isaac. Yes. You've got uh, uh, the angel. The angel of the Lord calls to Abraham from heaven and says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Me. Right. <laughs> it's like, all right, who told who told Abraham to do this? Right. It's God. Who's talking to Abram or Abraham here? Mm-hmm. It's the angel of the Lord. But he refers to him he refers to it as as me. I'm the I'm the one that you didn't yeah. withhold um, your hand from. Uh Jacob, he he uh, in, in Genesis thirty one it, it says that uh, the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. And when he's telling his wife's uh, his wife's about it in verse eleven, he says, Then the angel of God said to me in a dream. Right. So they're recognizing that the angel of of Yahweh, the angel of the Lord, is Yahweh Himself. Mm-hmm. So that this this really helps to to shore up our Christology in the Old Testament that. When God speaks to his people, he speaks through Jesus. He speaks through the second person. Who, who always reveals the Father? It's always the Son. Right. It's the same in the Old Testament as it is in the New now, Testament. Now, the reason why he's not called Jesus is because Jesus is his incarnation. Right. He's, when we say Jesus, we should be very specifically talking about truly God and truly man. Right. Because that's who Jesus is. Right. Um, but we often slip in the saying Jesus right. it, in the we Old do, Testament. We do, yeah, Jesus right. in the Old Testament. The Word, that's John calls him the Word before he mm-hmm. has flesh. Yeah. The Word, the eternal Word. The second person of the Trinity. The, second person the Son. Of the, Trinity. the eternal Son, yeah. Or you, could call him, you can call him the angel of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's how he's revealed in the Old Testament, um, in Genesis, Exodus. Um, he's you, in Numbers. You know what will really mess Joshua up some people's judges. theology, George? You know what's going to really mess up some people's theology? <laughs> that? About Jesus. I mean, in, in his incarnation, he is meek and mild. Right. But in the Old Testament, he's very warrior-like. Right. And he slays some people. He's the commander of the Lord's army in, in yeah. Joshua, right? Yeah. And Joshua worships him. Right. If this was simply an, an angel... Joshua is committing idolatry on the eve before the Battle of Jericho, and no angels accept worship ever. Right, they don't do it. Uh, one, one would, one would. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but yeah. he's uh, he's on the punch in the face list too. That's... <laughs> yeah, mm. you've got <laughs> you've got the devil on your list. <laughs> so I, I had this dream. I had this dream when I was a kid. It's one of the only dreams I've ever had. I've only had a few dreams where Jesus was in my dream. Okay, um, but this one is the end of the world. And uh, you know, I was I was a child, so it's a childlike dream. And we all get in a big line, and we're waiting in line to meet Jesus, and you get to meet him, and uh-huh. you know, everybody gets to get a hug. Okay, so maybe. At the end, we all get to get in the line and punch him in the, <laughs> punch the <laughs> devil in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before he gets the old heave ho. Yep. <laughs> right. Maybe we get a little something for Adam as well. Who knows? <laughs> Good job, buddy. Good job. You had one job. Don't eat of it. You know, I think I think this is really <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> We've just completely fallen off. <laughs> Maybe we should just get back in the Hebrews. <laughs> the angel of the Lord. This the was your idea. Well, <laughs> I like the one, the last one. Um, I'm not going to yeah. go to it right well, off the top I, th- head, but I, I like the appearance of him in the book of Judges. Yeah. I like that one, too. Yeah. He's talking to Samson's parents. Well, he's he's all over the place in mm-hmm. Judges. He talks to them in uh, chapter 2. He, he talks to Israel, mm-hmm. and he pronounces judgment against them. Why haven't you listened to my voice? It says the angel of God appears to them, and he says, why haven't you listened to my voice? Right. Um, he he is, the, he is the God who gave them the law. Right. Um, who, who did Moses see up on Mount Sinai? Yeah. Wh- whose back was it? That he saw, like it's not it's not the father, it's the son. Um, yeah. He taught he talks to Gideon. Yeah, he talks to Samson's parents. This is when G- I mean, there's so many connecting verses to this. In John, the beginning of John, no one has ever seen God. The only God, uh, that's that's speaking of a different person. Uh-huh. The only God who is at the Father's side, right, 
There's he, two persons there. He, right. the one who's at the Father's side, he has made him known. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of taken that, you know, you may just think that only applies to John's gospel and in the incarnation, but it doesn't. Right. Because we don't we don't ever see the other persons of the Trinity like appearing mm-hmm. to people. Right. It's it seems to always be a Christophany. That's what that's the technical theological term. Right. A Christophany, an appearance of Jesus. Yeah. Before we don't know how that happens because he obviously, I mean, they like eat with him and stuff. It's mm. he's interacting with the physical realm, right. but he's not a human. Yeah. Now that's super important <clears throat> for a whole host of reasons that he's actually a human being. Yeah, which you did. We talked about There's, some last. Yeah, week. there there is a shift from the Old Testament where he appears in a human form on occasion. Um, but in the New Testament, he actually becomes, he takes on humanity, mm-hmm. and that revelation, it, it's, the, it's the escalation and culmination of, of you know, God's revelation in the Old Testament. Yes, because God requires a, a, a faithful human rep- right. representative, yeah. and, and he becomes that. And his, his uh, you know, how he can, he can sympathize with us in our weaknesses, mm-hmm. That's, that is due to the the incarnation. We'll we'll get to this. Are we already thirty two. minutes into this Are thing we? and we haven't even talked about the text? <laughs> Come on, Larry, you're supposed to keep us on track over there, dude. Where's your microphone? Larry's just enjoying the. He's just enjoying the time, aren't you, Larry? Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All well, right. So the know, angel of the Lord well, is distinct. Yeah. So yeah. when 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 the angel of the Lord and two angels appear to Abraham in Genesis 18, Abraham. He distinguishes between them. Yes. Now, we don't know how, but he knows that one of them is not like the others. Mm-hmm. And then later in, in the story, two angels go down to Sodom and they talk to, they, they get Lot out. Yeah. But, the, but Christ stays with Abraham and talks to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there is this distinction. He is not like the others. And right. then there's no know, angel like him. And then in the, in the judgment, the angels are getting Lot out of Sodom, but. Yahweh calls down fire yeah. from Yahweh in heaven. Yeah, he does right? the he does the work. Yeah. All right, so let's jump in. So verses 10 through 12, Jesus is the one true God. That's mm-hmm. what you have here. And we don't have to, you know, go all the way through the sermon. I think that's, a, that's the beauty of the podcast is we can talk about these other things right. and rabbit trails and make applications. But yeah. What people may not realize is they, they could see it like why is my text set off strange in this fashion? Yeah. And it's because it's a psalm. Right. And that should give you a clue. And in most Bibles, you can look at these small little letters. There's probably like a small little letter there in like verse 10, and you could follow that, and it'll give you a rabbit trail to, to hunt down. Uh-huh. It's going to take you to Psalm 102. Right. So tell us what Psalm 02 is, who it's written to, and what the writer of Hebrews has done with it, in kind of in that fashion, that'll okay. help people to grasp this. Right. What is Psalm 102? It's like so a, if you, if is you, it a psalm of lament? Would you categorize it that way? Is it a lament psalm? Um. Yes, I think that the easiest way to uh, to categorize it is with the superscript, which are those block letters mm. um, at the beginning of of many of the psalms. The prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. You know what I like about this psalm? We're, we'll jump into the, to how Hebrews is using it. But people, what's missing in people's, I think a lot of people's relationship with God today is that they never talk to God like that. Mm-hmm. If you read Psalm 102 and you could say, I've honestly never talked to God like that, then you're missing out on a vital component of what. God not only allows but would expect from humans living in a fallen world. Right. Like don't don't be to God the person that, you know, you always got the people that show up to church and no matter their life could be falling apart and they're never going to tell you they're just going to smile. Right. Well, you don't people do that with God too. Mhm. That's foolish cuz he already knows everything anyway. Right. So don't pretend when you pray to God that everything's sunshine and rainbows because yeah. a lot of times it's not. And that's why I love these type of psalms. Mhm. And so they're they're huge. We won't read the whole thing. But. And you, you you can do this because you know that God is the one who hears you and mm-hmm. will actually answer you. Mm-hmm. Like who else are you going to go to? Right. You're going to go grumble and complain to you know a coworker, um, yeah. or to a spouse, mm-hmm. to a friend. Um, take it to God. Yeah. Um, because the reason you can do this is because He cares about you. 
Right. God doesn't read. Well, he probably does read your uh, Twitter posts, but that's that's kind of a <laughs> this is my pet peeve. I'm like, why why are you praying on Twitter? Yeah. Like for everyone to see. Right. I don't need to see your prayers on Twitter. Just you know, you can just go to God yeah. without typing the keys in. Right. That's just uh, yeah. that just that's like a praying in the street corner thing for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't. Nah, just kind of. Eh. Okay. It's all the soapbox. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just something seems not right about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I I agree. Dear God, I completely agree. Who squ- who scans the Twitterverse for prayers? Hear my prayer as I type the keys. Right. Well, it's not. Jay. <laughs> these ra- <laughs> these trails that we're following today. This is what they're here for, George. Is it? <laughs> they want elaboration upon what you talked about. Not with. They don't want to hear the sermon again a second time. Right. Take your lament straight to God. Right. Yeah. You don't have to bottle it up. Yeah. You don't have to pretend like everything's okay when it's not. You can lament to God. I mean, the even the the superscript. Um, it, and by superscript, I mean when you open your Bible and you go to Psalm 102, there's there's going to be a little title there that the ESV gave to it. Do not hide your face from me. Mm-hmm. That's not part of the the scriptures. I don't even know why they put those in there. They're not. I've never found them particularly helpful. They just kind of get in the way. Yeah. The superscript is all in bold. It's all in cap cap letters. Yeah. A prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Mm-hmm. This is actually in the Hebrew. Yeah, it, it's actually part of the scriptures, mm-hmm. and so I would assume that it's the psalmist that put it there. I don't think it's a later edition. Probably the psalmist wrote this. Yeah, he wants you to know this was the the situation I was in, and I prayed to God, and He does this so that you'll you'll be encouraged to do it also. That's right. You don't have to. You don't have to act like everything's okay. We live in a fallen world. We're fallen people. We experience trials and we experience afflictions, and we can pray to God. Yeah, and so that and this is this is super important for the way that it's being right. used in Hebrews because, because he's writing to Christians who are yes. afflicted. And that's what I was going to ask you: Who then is it written to? Right, right. What does the text give us? So the prayer is clue. the prayer is addressed to Yahweh. Okay. Um, the first verse: Hear my prayer, O Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So when you see Lord all in caps in the Old Testament, that's that's the divine name, mm-hmm. Yahweh. Let my cry come to you. So he's praying to Yahweh. All right. Now I'm going in reverse from your sermon because I think it, this is going to help really hammer it down. What attributes are are attributed to Yahweh in Psalm 102? Uh, well, he is he is the God who hears, okay. so you can pray to him, mm. right? Um, you you pray to him because you believe he's God. Mm-hmm. Um, he is enthroned forever, um, so he's the king. He uh, has pity on his people. He um, he's the one to whom all the nations will come and they'll they'll worship him. Um, he will restore Zion, but then in verses twenty five um, through twenty seven, he's the creator. So he he laid the foundation of the earth. Um, they'll perish, but you'll remain. So he is self-existent. I mean, he he doesn't need. He's not dependent upon the created order mm-hmm. for food um, or for existence. For existence, um, he didn't create because he was lonely. That all of these things will pass away, and God remains. Um, God is not a contingent being yeah yeah he he doesn't he doesn't need anything he he simply exists he simply is you ever hear these super confusing words philosophers use god is a nest he's the necessary being Uh uh-huh it's super confusing to me when i first was reading it i'm like why why do you guys got to pick such words that are so confusing yeah necessary being non-contingency like can we just say God is not dependent on anything else in all of the universe for his being. Well, see, you just use like this long sentence and they can just use one word. Yeah, one word that no one knows <laughs> that what no it means. That no one knows. <laughs> That's why I love R.C. Sproul, because yeah. R.C. Sproul 
he avoids those words uh-huh. usually yeah. unless he's yeah, talking to right. a peer. Uh-huh, right. So yeah. yeah, he God God it's the burning bush is a great example of that, right? Mm-hmm. God is revealing his aseity. Yeah. As a, this bush is burning, it's not consumed. Right. He doesn't he has no energy source but his but his own self. Yeah. So he bra- he breaks all the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. Um, he he doesn't expend energy. Yeah, he he simply is, mm-hmm. right? Um, he doesn't change. They change, but you don't change. You you stay the same. Theological word is immutability. Right. He's not mutable. He doesn't change in any way. In any way. In in yeah. a bad or good way. Mm-hmm. If he could, if he changed in a bad way, it'd be really bad for a lot of folks. Yeah. If he changed in a good way, that's also really bad because that means he had some flaw. Right. That he, he improved, he's improving. He's improving himself. Right. Which a lot of people actually believe in that God, George, yeah. today. They right. They believe in a, oh, yeah. a God who is changing as time goes on. Who's learning. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't learn. How can a being that never changes learn anything? He knows everything already. There's no corridor of time. Right. Yeah, there's there's no I can't look down and learn. There's no shift in him. He's he's not he doesn't have to do correctives. He he's not looking to see what you or I are going to do and he has to shift to, you know, cut that off and make sure that we don't send everything in the chaos. Um he doesn't change. Um and then he's eternal. Um your years your years have no end. They, these are all these are all applied to Yahweh here and they're they're meant for comfort they're, because yeah. you've got this god who who he's the creator he's the s- sustainer of all things he he doesn't need anything to exist um he doesn't change he's eternal um this is the god that you want to pray to yeah right this this when you're in the midst of affliction when you're faint when you when you're wearing out because you change because you are dependent you are a contingent being yeah right um what do you need? Where's your Where's your strength going to come from? Mm-hmm. Is it going to come from another contingent being yeah. that's going to wear out too? Mm. Well, no that's that's not a that's not a great a great option. And this is go a, to the one that doesn't change. This is a lot of reason why death is so traumatizing for I think non-believers. Yeah, we're to not mourn like non-believers. We're told right. we shouldn't. It's because a lot of their hope and everything that they are is dependent upon another person who is changing and wasting away. Mm-hmm. And when your ultimate hope is in other people and you see them sick and die, you're left with some like catastrophic uh, mental break. Yeah. And it's severe, <clears throat> severe mourning. Goodness, if, if anything... 2020 and 2021 have shown us just how much people change. Mm-hmm. How many times have the the COVID restrictions and everything that they've they've learned how how many how many times has it has it changed? And we got to change our response to it. And you've got you've got this these videos. This is a come, relevant sidebar. We're getting ready to hit. It is. You've got you know you've got you've got this video. Have you seen the video of Biden and Pelosi and yeah. Fauci, and they're all saying we can't mandate vaccines. That's no just way, not yeah. something that you're going to want the federal government to do. And now, right, <laughs> you've got them all singing a completely different song because they change. Well, they blew their credibility, and that's part of the catastrophe and why this is so bad. I think here, at least in America. Is you had these the medical professionals and they just they just ruin their cr- credibility with everybody yeah. by changing and sometimes changing not based off of any scientific uh, data just yeah. arbitrary right it, it would appear yeah that video that video where they said the six feet yeah. the six feet distancing was just an arbitrary number so no one no one wants to listen now right like, and they and it may come where there's something where we really do need to listen, now people aren't going to want to because they don't trust them. But yeah. God is not like that. Right. God never changes, mm-hmm. and therefore you can trust him, right? You right. can trust his promises. Mm-hmm. So, And that's going to play into a big, big way when we now let's shift gears yeah. and say the writer of Hebrews is applying Psalm 102 to Jesus. Yep. Big God theology, creator, mm-hmm. aseity. He has self-existence in himself. Right. Immutability. He never changes. He can't improve because he is perfect. Right. That's why he can't change. He's perfect in every attribute that he has. 
He's eternal. Right. Therefore, now hit us with it as it applies to Jesus. So you can trust in him. So he's he's writing to these to these saints who are undergoing um, heavy trials. They're being persecuted. They're being thrown into jail. They're having their property confiscated. Um, they're being ostracized. And now they're being tempted to go back to Old Testament temple mm-hmm. worship. Yeah. The animal sacrifices and the Levitical priests and all of the, you know, the rituals. And his his whole point is that here is who Jesus is. He is the God of the Old Testament that has all of these attributes of creator and and mm-hmm. he he is self-existent he doesn't change and he's eternal don't don't fall away from this one where where are you going to go you have everything that you need here yeah and so you can and you can pray to this one yeah when you are um afflicted and you are weary and you're faint you can cry out to jesus and he hears you yeah and he is this um he's this 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 rock that you can yeah that will support you people pray to angels and stuff man some weird yeah they do i talked about that last week the the catholic church even has their uh their um the the prayer that that they've got that you can pray to your guardian angel yeah it's like it's like having access like if you if you could if you had the president on speed dial this is obviously flawed because jesus is infinitely greater than the president but if you had the president on speed dial, right, and you could call him at any time and have his ear, and you were like, nah, you know what? I could, I could call the president, <laughs> but you know what? Right. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call. I've got this uh, secret service agent, the one that stands out in the garden and just stares at the fence. I'm gonna call that guy. Yeah. It's foolish. It is foolish, right? Yeah. You ever wonder, right? Like, uh, what if the angel that the Catholics pray to, or anyone else, maybe they're maybe they're real. I don't know if they are because not a lot of angels or their names are listed. I don't know who they pray to, but you ever wonder, be like, why are you, why are you guys like? What are you guys doing? This is the dumbest thing ever. You could talk to Jesus, and you want to talk to me? Yeah. Uh, listen to this <laughs> prayer. This this is the this is the angel of God prayer. It's pretty weak. They teach it to children, so just keep that in mind. It's a guardian angel prayer. This is the angel. This it's called the angel of God prayer. Okay, you're pra- you're praying to your guardian angel. Okay, just just keep in mind it's a it's a children's prayer. Mm. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side to light and guard and rule and guide. Amen. Okay. But I mean, this is a, a legitimate prayer that the, the Catholic Church is teaching to their, to their kids. Yeah. And you think, why are you spending time teaching kids this prayer and wasting all of this time and energy on this when you've got the creator of the universe who never changes? He he is dependent upon nothing. He is eternal. Pray to him. That's right. <laughs> why are you praying to why are you praying to a lesser being? Yeah, yeah, right on. They can't do anything without the sovereign, the sovereign command of Christ, anyway. Yeah. So why are you praying to your guardian angel? He's gonna be like praying to you're praying to like <laughs> the guy who uh, is bringing out your uh, the waiter. It's like the waiter comes by, and you're like, "Would you pray for me?" <laughs> and he's like, oh, "I'm just bringing your food out here." Yeah. It's so weird. Uh, the stuff, it's, the stuff it's, that... it's a trip. I mean, taking that analogy, it, it would be, um, you know, praising and complimenting the waiter for how, how good the food is. Right. And like, well, I didn't, I just, I just... brought it out here. Right. <laughs> the chef is back there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh man. The stuff we taught, the kids get taught. you you know, the, uh, the prayer now I lay me down to sleep. Uh-huh. I, I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. Right. That's a, that's that's a, if you really think about the words, that's a strange prayer to teach little kids. If I die <laughs> before I wake, like oh man, you know, little think, kids gonna die in their sleep. Well, I think if I'm if 
if I'm, you know, thinking correctly, I think this was a prayer that has a long history back to when the plague, you know, you know, the mortality rate was much higher than it is today. I think that makes sense. Maybe then, uh, you know, where are we going, Jay? Why are we talking about this? I'm just curious. <laughs> I think it's a good prayer. I think it's a good prayer because it reminds us even at an early age that you're going to yeah. die. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the mo- modern America hears that and they're like, that's terrible. You, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be teaching kids that they're going to die. Maybe. Even though they, even Maybe though, they, the even though, even though they don't care about, you know, killing babies. Yeah, they don't. But it reminds us that that we're that we're not God. Yeah. That we're we're not infinite. We're finite. That we do change. That we're not we're not eternal. We're we're going to we're going to die. I think it's a I think it's a good reminder. We need to be reminded more. Mm-hmm. Um, if if COVID has done anything, it, uh, sh- it should remind people that you're frail and you're going to die. When I go to a funeral, when I was a kid. Or when my when my kids were younger, I should say, I'd always make them look at the uh, the body. Yeah, people they're like, "You're gonna traumatize your kid." I'm like, "No, I'm not." Yeah, like they're gonna have the most realistic view of the world. You know it's, what I mean? It's probably more traumatizing to be a 30 year old and yeah. this is the first time that you've seen a right. dead body. <laughs> right. Nobody wants. To, that's why they're avoided today. Like nobody. Yeah. As soon as someone dies, they're like, "Just do everything we can to make sure we never see the body again." And that way we can pretend like they didn't actually die. They just like transported to another realm because people don't want to deal with it. Well, okay. there's, a, there's a good book out called um, Remember Death. came out a couple of years ago. And one of the things that I, I, I still remember, it, it hit me, was, you know, even, you know, 50 years ago, people died in their home. Yeah. Like you, you didn't get carted off somewhere. You, you died surrounded by your family what do we do now you get put into this sanitary building um, and you can kind of be hidden from the rest of the world mm-hmm. so you know people don't have to hear you dying they don't have to see you dying yeah it's all hidden right and what that's done is that that has kind of sanitized death mm-hmm. and people don't think about it right they don't think about it anymore they're thinking about it more now though yeah, but they're not turning. They're not turning to Christ. Yeah, right? they're 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 still not repenting. They're still they're still looking for hope in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. But what the author of Hebrews is, is doing is he's trying to. I mean, he is showing the superiority of Christ, and he is calling upon these Christians that are being tempted to abandon Christ for lesser things. Don't abandon him because here he is. Yeah. This is who he is in his very being. <clears throat> he don't think that by going back to the Old Testament that you're going back to Yahweh. Right. Here's Yahweh. Yeah. He has revealed himself fully in Jesus. If you leave Jesus, you you are abandoning all true religion. It's a great apologetic right up front, Psalm one oh two. Yeah. And, and you know, John says the same thing in first John. Mm. The the one who doesn't have the son doesn't have the father either. Yeah. All right, then we keep going on in the text. Your second division, your second point comes from verse 13 and 14. Jesus is glorified with God. Mm-hmm. This is taken from Psalm 110. This right. this text here is taken directly from Psalm 110. Yeah. So help us to understand why it's a big deal that Jesus would be glorified with God, that he would sit down at his right hand. Yeah. Um, and Psalm Psalm 110, it's, it's the... The most quoted Old Testament um, chapter in the in the New Testament, verse one is quoted all over the place. Yeah, Jesus quotes it. The apostles quote it. Hebrews. Where this is just the first of many times that we're going to be talking about Psalm one hundred and ten mm-hmm. as we go through the book of Hebrews. Um, it's it is that important. Um, this is a psalm about the Messiah. And uh, it starts by David. It, the superscript says it's of David. Uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. We can just kind of gloss over this. This is important. Now, we hit upon some really big theological um, doctrines in, in the sermon. We, we've been hitting on like big doctrines, the, mm-hmm. the hypostatic union, the incarnation, uh, the, the deity of Christ. Now, we're, we... We see the the Trinity, 
there's Jesus is Yahweh, but in Psalm 110, we're reminded he's sitting at the right hand of Yahweh. Mm. So we've got two distinct persons, one God, two distinct persons. But what's important for us to understand here is that um, we are reminded throughout the Bible that God is um, he's holy and he's set apart. And in Isaiah, um, God says, my name is Yahweh. That's my name. I give my glory to no other. Mm-hmm. God doesn't share his glory with creatures mm-hmm. because he's transcendent. Um, even the greatest of creatures cannot be glorified to the same level as God, mm. um, which makes this verse super important, right? Because what is Jesus? What's happening to Jesus? He's being glorified, mm-hmm. right? He's sitting at the right hand of God's throne, right? So he's he's God's right hand man, mm-hmm. right? He he is at the place of authority and honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not a place that's given to anyone else. Yeah, and we see that all throughout the scriptures. Um, I, I went to to Revelation chapter five. Mm-hmm. And you've you've got God the Father sitting on this throne. He's got this scroll in his right hand. Um, and who is worthy to open the scroll? No one. Mm. Like no one in heaven, no one on earth, no one under the earth. No one is able to open the scroll. Yeah, they can't look at it. They they can't they can't even take a little peek, right? Except for one. Mm-hmm. Um, John is weeping, and uh, he's told, "Don't weep." The Lion of the Tribe of Judah, he has overcome, and he is worthy. And here comes this lamb. This is all you know symbolic um, pictures. We're supposed to understand this is Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And he is able to approach the throne. No one can approach the throne. You, you don't just walk up to holy God, much less take something out of his hand, mm-hmm. right? But here's Jesus. He, does, he, he is able to do just that. He is able to approach the throne and take the scroll. He's able to open it. And when he takes the scroll, what happens? Everyone worships him. Mm-hmm. If Jesus is anything less than God... This is idolatry, right? And I think that we we forget this. We lower the we lower the holiness of God to the point that we think, well, you know, angels are just as important. They're just they're right. just as strong and just mm-hmm. you know, we've got this you know this sliding scale. Well, you got some angels down here, but you got angels up here, and they're right next to Jesus. Yeah, you know, there's it, there's not this big difference, but there's this infinite chasm mm-hmm. um, between angels and and God, and not even this mighty angel that is crying out, "Who is worthy to take the scroll?" He's not worthy. This, yeah. this powerful angel, he's not worthy. Um, only one is is worthy, and it's it's the Son of God, mm-hmm. and so he's able to approach. And so he sits at the right hand of, of God. Um, this is important because again, the Hebrews or the you know the the Hebrew saints they're they're being persecuted by enemies. They're being um, ostracized by the enemies of the church. Pretty soon they're going to be hunted down um, and even martyred for the faith. They need to be reminded that. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of, of God and he's waiting for his enemies to be put a foot, uh, you know, be made a footstool for his feet. Mm-hmm. Like this, is, this is hope for the church. Um, and it's hope for us today that despite all of the, the enemies um, that the church is surrounded by, Jesus is still sitting on the throne and his enemies are being made a footstool for his feet. Mm-hmm. That's not a throwaway doctrine. That's, um, and it's not just hyperbole it's not just poetic expression um jesus is actually subduing his enemies Mm -hmm. and that's good news for his saints that are are suffering good but this isn't said about angels right um angels angels this is never applied to angels yeah um and that's the point of verse 14 Mm -hmm. they're ministering spirits they're sent out to serve they're they're not they're not um they're not sitting on the throne. The angels aren't sitting down. Jesus is. Yeah. Um, Jesus is the one who's ruling. 
the angels are the ones who are serving. Yeah. That's good. All right. That's awesome. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Thanks, George. Uh, what are we? Pre- give us a preview for next time. Uh, we're we're gonna look at the first warning passage. Okay, that'll uh, be good. In chapter two, verses one through four. All right. So we'll, and they, they we'll kind of the book we'll kind of is organized around these. Uh huh. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's gonna be good. Thanks for that. It's a good sermon. Encouraging. Hopefully, it's beneficial to you, and it's been an encouragement to you. If it has, uh, please like, subscribe, and share. Maybe write us a review. Pass this along to your friends. It's our hope and our desire that you know this would help you to see Christ uh, better, to know Him better, but the ultimate goal is that you be more and more conformed to Christ. So hopefully this has been beneficial, and we'll see you next time.